0: Welcome back to another episode of season five of the RAG podcast. As you guys know by now, this is the number one podcast across the recruitment sector globally. And we've always been on a mission to help recruitment agencies grow by interviewing founders and telling their stories of success from startup all the way to scale up and exit. Well, this season we're a little bit different how do you as a recruitment leader and founder maintain your family and friendships whilst being the best person at work how do you stay physically fit mentally and emotionally and how do you find time for yourself in the madness how do you find time for self-interest for hobbies and self improvement well to help you with this i'm going to be interviewing someone every single week That can demonstrate experience in one or more of these areas. So I'm going to talk to recruitment founders and also some experts from outside the industry who can deep dive into things like relationships and health and well-being. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Rag Podcast with me, Sean Anderson, the CEO and founder of Oxford Media. Today is the eighth of December, uh, I believe. it's the. Uh, it feels like the world is changing. Things are All it is is talk of Christmas parties and what have you. Um, and I'm super excited to be delivering live on LinkedIn, the second to last, the penultimate show of the year. Um, I'm lucky today to be joined by a guy called Lewis Marley, if you don't know Lewis. Lewis is the founder and CEO of Bentley Lewis, an award-winning exec search firm. Um, what I love about Lewis is he's also the host of podcasts. He's got two shows called Don't Take Out Your Phone and another one called The Recruitment Show. Um, We connected a few months ago. I felt like we just got on. We saw, we see the world in a similar way. Um, And what I love about Lewis is his confidence. He said he's building the best exec search team in the world and he's flipped his model a lot in the pandemic and he believes it's for the better. Okay, so let's get into today's show. Let me join Lewis. Welcome to the RAG Podcast.
1: Thanks, Sean. Thank you very much for having me. I just made it.
0: Just just in time, I'll be honest. I don't bite my fingernails very often, but you got me to the edge there. You're Um, like, that
1: Lewis. I know. I was like, Lewis,
0: are you going to be ready for 11.45? He said, uh, I'm on the way back from a client. We'll see. (laughs) Um, Someone wanted to
1: actually meet me face to face. I mean...
0: We've got a lot to talk about, you know, the world, uh, the amount of posts I'm seeing at the minute of like my first face-to-face meeting, my first event, and I'm like, oh, how long is that going to last with the current news? Um, But before we get into today's, you know, economic world and all the rest of it, give us an intro. I've done a basic introduction, but tell the world who you are and and a bit about Bentley Lewis.
1: All right. So I'm, I'm Lewis Mallet. I'm CEO and founder of Bentley Lewis. So we're a global boutique search firm. Um, and it's been almost 12 years now, come up to 12th year, um, set it up on my own from a basically like a tiny little room in the West End. Um, right. My cousin owned the building up in the West End, um, a milliner, so a hat lady, had the top floor, gave me half of it, had a tiny little table, had a W1 address. And I was like, yes. Um, so it was really good fun. And then I, I worked for another firm before um in recruitment for five years and then i had a prior career in fashion and manufacturing wow. and i did chemistry at university wow. so it's been cool. like it's been a journey it's been yeah. a journey you know like a what lot of you, people what
0: moved you from fashion into recruitment
1: so after chemistry i was a year modeling liquid crystals in the lab with the headphones on no one spoke to me i'm like mm, no. not really my thing mm. so i set up my own fashion distribution company worked in manufacturing and then i was like want to do my distribution company properly. And a friend of mine was in the recruitment sector. And it's really interesting, right? You have people on, on either side, different wants, needs, desires, influences. It's a real interesting consultative sales process. Um, it's about making friends, good relationships. It just it just kind of got me. And I, I met mm-hmm. a firm, there were like five, six people, lovely bunch and went all in. Um, yeah. And then five years after I was like, want to do my own business, happened to be in the recruitment sector, Think I'm good at it. You're not sure until you start your business whether you really are or not. And and then it's just been like it's been really nice and rewarding building something. You know, it's been wow. really fulfilling.
0: So. so you say you five years. You did five years for somebody else. Yeah. What was the trigger? When was the point where you realised you're going to go alone? So
1: after. I think like throughout, I always wanted to have my own business. So just forgetting being in the recruitment sector. My cousin is a ladies wear designer. My parents are immigrants into the UK. Mm -hmm. I just had this thing and I saw my cousin build his business from 13. I was packing boxes and folding plastic bags in the showroom and just watching him build something. And I just got that, that thing. Um, And then, yeah. And then the recruitment stuff was amazing. And then it was like four years in, I think it was, you know, I want to,
0: and were you doing exact search then
1: no contingent recruitment
0: right in what market
1: uh insurance and asset management right mostly okay. insurance mostly insurance mm-hmm. um mid-senior level you know like it was the wild west back in those days it was like 2006 you know there was no linkedin people were getting cheered for coming back with the phone book from deloitte or ey or whatever you know that, that, that like like yeah, yeah. like great kind of training ground or whatever you'd call it but just yeah. You know, I had friends working in recruitment. There, the phone would get sellotaped to their head. The chair would get taken away for not making enough calls. I mean, it was like, no. you know, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. I, the guys took me out for beers on my first day. I got home. My mum was like, "How was it?" And I was like, oh, "I'm not going to make it." Yeah. It was like really crazy kind of thing. And then, it, it you know, you got into it, and then it was the thing with insurance is it's all in the same postcode. You got to make. Yeah, I, know
0: it. I I used to recruit into the Lloyd's market, so I, I know. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's yeah. great, right?
1: So you cruise around EC3. You doing, like,
0: you just doing underwriters and brokers, or are you doing? So
1: my focus was internal audit, risk right. and compliance. Like right, that was yeah. my thing. I started with internal audit. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave me a little bit more responsibility and started to to manage the risk audit compliance. I'm sure, treatment.
0: we work the same companies. I used to do the change management space, it'd be a project management project management. But be, it might be a risk of compliance project, or a technology project, or a business change. But um, I thought nice. I,
1: re- I thought I recognized you. One round, one round market on a Monday, it? <laughs> yeah. But it was great fun. I mean, it was—it's a great industry to to recruit in. It is, and it was just great. And I—I love the actual recruiting. And but there was something missing for me. It was—it was just building something. I wanted to jump off the cliff, and you know,
0: I spoke where was to. You, a few... Where was your life at that point? Like, what would how would you describe your life outside of work when you took the plunge?
1: So I wanted to start my own business before I got married. That was my thing my girlfriend had moved in at the time who's now my wife and i thought to myself i was like 28 uh yeah 28 because i'm 40 now um and it was just a great time i was like if it doesn't work out go get another job you know there was no no like fear of failure um partly because i had a lot of us family and it's not embarrassing to fail in the us in the uk Mm. it's a bit like oh what happens if it doesn't work out and you kind of surround yourself with people like that and you never end up doing anything. No. And so I, I yeah, kicked off and it's
0: wow. been great. I love yeah. it. So take us back to so you in that desk, in that top floor, 12 years, or two, what year was that then? 2010. 2010, 2010. That was just before, or while the world was in a pretty difficult- Financial point. crisis, yeah, yeah,
1: like people were, if yeah, I'm sure you remember the time it was like, yeah. people being made redundant, financial crisis, that really, really like bad time in the economy. But and um, then like you said in your introduction, what a wonderful time to start a business when the economy is just like, it's the same, right? Financial crisis, COVID, it just gives you an opportunity. Like rent was like near free, bank accounts became free. Like you could set up your business for, for, for much lower cost than I would have done a year or two earlier. Yeah, yeah. And and you're coming in when other firms are unfortunately struggling mm-hmm. and you only need a little bit of business to do well, yeah. you know, yeah, you need you're not, to roll the sleeves up.
0: And... You're not, you're not, you're not trying to manage a huge cost base or anything, are you? You're just like, you're no, agile, you're nimble.
1: Yeah. You're excited, you're fun and you know, it's like, right, let's go.
0: I just want to have a quick word from our sponsors. So today I want to quickly mention district four um i've been talking about these guys for a while they are a a support network for experienced recruiters who want to take their own um plunge into owning their own agency right so they've got this impressive startup package um and they take care of the back office technology and support so you can do everything that you're good at which is you know providing this excellent service to your candidates and clients all expert recruiters working as business owners under one umbrella they are looking to help people you know kick, kick on in early 2022 regardless of what's going to happen with the pandemic i still believe this is an amazing time to launch a recruitment company and i don't believe um many of us would like like we really enjoy doing things alone so you should speak to these guys worst case scenario they're just going to tell you you're not right to launch a recruitment company here's their honest advice best case scenario they're going to help you shape a business plan and uh, and make your dreams come true so get online at www.district4.io and find out there did you set out to be an exec search firm at that point? Or what was what was the vision at, at the time? So I wanted to
1: be a global boutique search firm. And I'd done obviously, as I said, I'd been all contingent. I'd started to do like heads off, but it's a very difficult thing. Like if you're known for contingency, it's very difficult to go into search. You know, you you hear the classic kind of contingent recruiter be like, I'm gonna try and sell a search. You don't really, you know, really, you're not selling a search, it's it's a real different different vibe different experience and stuff but i but i'd done like senior stuff it was interesting and and that was like where i felt comfortable and but it took a while to transition like it really did like everyone that knew me before wouldn't use me for a retained search so it was really setting about building a new a new network um and then over time the network i'd built started to
0: but did you, you know, know the really- process like did you have i know you on recruitment but did you were you even familiar with the full search process?
1: Yeah, so we'd done, as a great lady called Sarah Shears, um, oh. and she'd done she's a really, really, really great search lady, and she did a bit of training. And, and just before I left, uh, we did a bit of search training. I I spoke to her quite regularly. So I was, I was well-versed in, like, the process, you know, the proposals, the pro- catch-up, the, the whole kind of, like, five-star service. Um, but once you start diving into it, that's when you really learn. You know, you need to find your vibe. Um, you know, every client's a bit different; they like to work differently. But you you learn as you go. You know, it's taken me a, it's taken me a while to, to really transition uh, to it properly. It doesn't just happen well, overnight.
0: So, how did you go about it? You say you, your current client base didn't really wouldn't respect you to do that anyway. So, where did you go and find business? What was your approach in the early days?
1: So, so day one was, I did a list of twelve hundred companies in London I wanted to recruit for and just went from A to Z. That was like bucket one. So my first client was Aberdeen Asset Management, AB. Mm. And, and, I, and I, I really started like that. You know, it's like unglamorous, picking the phone up, going to speak with people. And then it suddenly it clicks. Really, the game is about um, making friends, like being patient. You know, so much of the time, it's like short-term goals. You want to make a quick fee. You want to, like, certainly in that contingent world, it's really short-term. Mm. until it clicks that really to make a lot of to do well in our industry whether you're doing contingent or search you have to have a have a long-term view you have to be patient you have to give a great service you have to be kind to people you know it's a real once that clicks and and you're patient then it gives you time and you Mm. can can really focus on on doing good work um and that's it, it clicked and then and then that's what i focused on and then everyone i meet it's you know i do exec search and people then start to to know you for exec search you don't do the other stuff because that's not my game and yeah. and then you start to did you have any
0: pressure financially that first year were you under pressure to to make money
1: i saved enough money to cover my rent for the first year right what about your yeah. life
0: what about your life costs
1: yeah i covered my i covered like free for one year for one year Right, and so, so, and so whatever happens yeah. And so remember, so after if it didn't work in that year, I was like, I okay, cool. I'm out. Mm. Like I've done, I've done a good, you know, I've done my best, yeah. but, but remember there's a transition. So when you're doing contingent recruitment, you're not going to start getting search work from day one. No. So there was like a blend of like some contingent, some search some contingent, some search. And then you do that to, to get the revenue in, um, you pick what contingent work you want to do, you know, you try and do exclusively the right level heads off, whatever and then after a couple of years you find that the whole mix just it just starts to to move to search because you're you're turning down that work and you're very gradually you know transitioning out so it's definitely a game of patience like you've yeah. got to take your time
0: and how did the first year financially go for you how did you perform it was great i think we did like
1: we did like 150,000 pounds of income or something mm-hmm i mean it was it was great you know because remember when you start when you're when you're working for a firm you earn about a third of what you generate roughly Mm. so i was like you know i'm doing 300 i'm earning 100 if i just do 100 in my own firm you know and then you're like okay what do i need to do to do 100 grand and that's like eight grand a month yeah you know and you're like okay that's you know and we're we're doing searches with fees that command a lot more than that
0: Mm.
1: so when you when you break it down and you do the numbers and you and you and you back yourself, then, you know, you're in a good spot, and then you just crack on.
0: Yeah. So, did you stay all all by yourself then? At that point, did you? Um, think I was. Hiring?
1: My, yeah, my first hire was my mum. Go on. and <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was a story about that one.
1: So, hey, when you when you start your own business, right? You're you're not really a business owner. You're a sole trader. You're yeah. like HR, sales, finance, marketing, yeah. cleaner. I was like cleaning the floor upstairs in the thing, right? It's not, not glamorous. And then you realize, you know, you need to outsource stuff and you need to focus on what you're great at. And so my mum had retired as a teacher a year or two before maths teacher. Um, I didn't want to do the accounting, the finance, chasing invoices, anything like that. So I'd I'd got um, an accountant from day one, outsourced accountant. And then my mum came in to do all of the stuff that isn't revenue generating. And And it let me focus on the stuff that I'm good at. Um and then I hired someone for my old firm and then you know then it started to started to go from there.
0: So so when when what did you so your mum was just helping out with general different tax
1: invoicing, yeah. invoicing, tracing invoices. We have you know the PL stuff, costs, tax returns, VAT, all of that stuff that actually takes quite a
0: bit of time if you're gonna do 100%. it. Well did you you said you wanted to be a global search firm. So did you have, a, yeah. what was your plan around people back then? Did you, did you think I'm going to keep growing heads <laughs> and get to 50 or whatever? Did you haven't, did you? No, have a, no,
1: like... no target was just to be a little bit better than I was yesterday. You right. know, to, to, to be the best search person I could be um, to make money and have a good impact on people, you know, and then there were my goals. I wanted to be a, a global search person. So everyone I spoke to, I'm like, we're a global search firm. We'll be a global search firm. About six months in, someone believed me and i got uh, we got our first we got cfo search in in switzerland i think it was right and that was our that was our first like international role because coming from like recruit contingent recruitment in insurance in central london you get very like narrow you know it's like london 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 and then yeah, suddenly you start them. to do stuff internationally and it's it's amazing you know like i love meeting and speaking with different people they have a different perspective different contexts, like, it's really interesting. And all of our clients were global. And and they started to, you know, want to work with us wherever it was in Europe, and the Europe was the focus. And then you start to deliver. And then your network grows. And, you know, because we you know, we're doing senior search work, the candidates are clients, the clients are candidates, you, you know, it's, it's like, but you don't even think of it that way. It's again, like building friendships. And if you do a good job, people would like to work with you again. And
0: then that's how it's it's continued. So, so has it been a very word of mouth business? Would you say today? Is it built it's over a, everyone talking about you in their own circles?
1: I think it's been a real mix. I think I think a really good search or contingent business. Um, you know, your customer service has to be five star, right? Like you want to get referrals. You want people to use you again. It's much easier to get repeat business from current customers than it is to go out and win new work. And you know, if you think about how many coffees or video calls, phone calls, whatever it is, it takes um, with new people to generate new work. There's this business development triangle, it's something like 97% of people you speak to aren't looking to buy from you from from a million different reasons. And 3% might be. And so why would you not focus on, you know, making friends and doing a great job? It's just, Mm. and so so that's been a real focus. And then there's the new bucket. Obviously, I want to be meeting new people all the time. And People then become friends, and you do
0: work, and so it's that ongoing thing. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So you 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 do 150 in year one. Your life sounds pretty cool. Pretty. You start to hire your mom and a few other people. What? How did the business progress then over the next few years? How did it? As you 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 got a bit more. I think year two is a different year because you've you've got more to lose in year two. like year one, you. Like you said, if you don't work, you're gone. But in year two, you've got a bit of a reputation. You've got a bit of a business. You might have someone you employ in. Pressure changes, I think, and beyond. It becomes a different company.
1: The game changes. Yeah, the minute you start hiring people and paying salaries, the the game changes. Because so much of it, you know, I was an individual contributor at my last firm. You know, I was. it was all about I. Mm. You know, I did well. I made money. It was just me. Like there was no, my targets were me. It was just—it was all I. And then the real when the penny drops, that it, it's not I, it's we, and it's about what I can do for my team, not what they can do for me. Uh, and it takes time to adjust, right? Like you know, you go to school, if you go to university, if you're playing sport, whatever. It's So early on in your career, it's all I, yeah. right? If you do well individually, you'll get promoted to manage a team, and maybe you get yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, so for me, it was like it it clicked about you know it's about it's about we and it's about what I can do for them, and then you know, then I think it it gets really good if you, if you focus on the team. So when did you start
0: investing on. in growing the team properly and thinking like it wasn't, it wasn't just about you? When did you think that, that started? Um, show, talk us about the, tell us about the trajectory of the business.
1: Yeah. So in terms of people, so yeah. uh, my mom, um, I hired someone from my old firm, I think just about just before the end of year one, um, we worked together. She wanted to come over and it was great. Mm. and then we started hiring people i moved into the city um beginning of year three uh the date's become hazy now but we moved into uh lloyd's avenue yeah, so nice. and again we we're doing a lot of insurance work and then and then we, we start to hire a few more people so we've got three four five six um and then you're like wow like managing people stuff you know like it really changes it's like you've got to win work you've got to deliver work you've got to make sure they're doing this uh, training and making sure people are happy. It was a really big learning curve. Yes. And we got up we got up to I think we got up to fourteen or fifteen people about four or five years ago. And and it was tough. You know like, they I, all, I, are
0: they all producers or are they resources? Like whatever you mixture. call it, yeah, like, Mixture. Et yeah, mixture.
1: Yeah, mixture. Some were helping deliver work, um, some were, you know, winning work. In their own area and everyone was in London like everyone was in the office in London and it was just classic you know come in 8 36 like it was real like what you'd imagine a recruitment firm in London to be like and it was tough you know lots of different personalities over seven people suddenly politics comes into play and it was a really tough moment actually like it was it was a one of the biggest learning experiences I had and and it, it wasn't fun actually it wasn't that i probably be, yeah no i didn't really enjoy it i had like i probably didn't hire the right mix of people you know um and and so then we we kind of reorganized a little bit you know and then we went down to like i went down to maybe 10 9 10 people and it was really good and then i was like you get caught up like a lot of people when you start a business they're like when do you want to sell how many people have you got and a lot of that's vanity, I think. Yeah. It's like, does yeah. it, you know, just going to have 20, 30, 50 people doesn't mean, mean I'm making any money. Mm. And then it's like thinking about being happy, um, you know, making sure the people that are working with me are happy. And my, my mind and, and my focus changed a bit. And then it was about creating a really great environment that people want to work in and they're happy working in. And I didn't get caught up in how many people it was. If we found great people, we'd hire them. If I didn't, I don't mind and and that was that was the mindset and that's still the mindset was your
0: but as you grew to that 10 15 back to 10 how did your role change as a were you still forward facing client facing doing the job as well as trying to run everything else did you did you hire people around you to do operational stuff how did it all fit together
1: yeah so uh so my mom was like office managery all of that stuff we had an accountant which we still have and then I was client facing as well, so I was I was doing both, um, and we had a little bit of structure, you know. They weren't all reporting to me at that moment, but um, but I'd not done it before, you know. Like you learn, uh, and that's cool. You what know? Would, what like, would
0: you say the biggest mistakes you made? Like what, what did you screw up in that process?
1: I, I don't know if it was. A, I wouldn't change anything, if I'm honest, because that's my that's been my journey you know like did, learned,
0: you look back and go i learned it was it was the wrong thing to do but i'm glad i did it because i learned from it
1: my my biggest thing now and this might sound a bit corny but i want to hire kind nice people biggest like number one thing now like believe in the mission kind people um maybe a bit quirky you know before it was um you know like this classic salesy you know have they done sales before have they work and then on sport you know you get like, a lot of like yeah. a lot of the contingent recruitment firms are looking for those types of people same type of people yeah you know same type of people and I was like why am I doing that you know I just want to be happy I want to have a good life I want to make money along the way I want to help other people um and but it but you don't I didn't arrive at that I didn't arrive at that until I'd gone through that experience so I wouldn't
0: change it You've mentioned I want to be happy on a number of occasions already. It's probably the first time it, 25 minutes into an episode anyone's said it three or four times, right? Um, it's quite interesting because I think most recruiters, recruitment owners, are, are all about growth, all about vision, all about, you know, how do we get to 100 heads, 200 heads, sell, all the same sort of mission. And whenever I talk about happiness, usually it's like, well, you know we'll be happy when we get there kind of thing like that's kind of the mindset you can't be you happy say now. that we'll, you we'll say play. that but
1: I've watched a few of your shows um don't ask me which ones and they've said they actually weren't happy when they sold
0: that's the point yeah so they're like we'll be happy when we'll they think they'll be happy when they sell and then so many people tell me they're not when they sell it's the worst year of their life like so how did you come to that conclusion at such a you know early stage that you were like well and what does, and you say, I want to be happy. Can you, can you categorize what happiness is for you?
1: For me, healthy. Uh, I, for me, it's like, I want to go in smiling every day. You know, you just want to, life's short. I mean, if COVID's taught you nothing, mm. it's like, life is short. You never know what's going to happen. Things change so often. What are you waiting for? You're waiting for some, a big event that might make you a few million. Then in our industry, you can make really nice money and a good living along the way. Right, but but again, it's not just money, it's money and purpose, right? The really cool thing about what we do is that we can help people get jobs who can have an incredible impact on society. That's my like, you know, that's my thing. It's like really nice to place someone in a great job and see what they do. And 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 that that gives me happiness. Um I I enjoy, you know, for me it's I really enjoy meeting people and all of the like the stuff that comes with doing a, a consulting job that we do. Mm. Um I love, I love, um, I see my friends and my family all the time. Um, and then I spend an awful lot of time on my exercise, nutrition and sleep. I wow. diarize my exercise like it's the most important meeting of the day.
0: Really? That's and, awesome. How do
1: you do it? Yeah. So I do CrossFit and I either do, I either do um, 6.30 AM uh, or I do 7 PM. So nice. I flex it because my wife likes to do it
0: too.
1: Right. Nice. So um, on a Sunday night, we decide when we're gonna do it. Um, but if you wanna get into it, there's a great guy called Eric Partaker, who right. was the founder of Chilango. Do you remember Chilango? You know, the Mexican food yeah, 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 is yeah, around. Yeah, yeah he yeah. founded Chilango. He came on my show a couple of years ago and he does an alarm. He's got an alarm on his phone uh, and it goes off at like 6.30 a.m. to remind him to be the best person at the gym. Mm. His second alarm goes off at 8.30 a.m. to remind him to be the best CEO. And then this third alarm goes off at seven pm to remind us to be the best husband and father. <laughs> Quite, you know, extreme thing, but yeah, wow, right? You know, that alarm goes on your phone, and you're like switches, and you're like, okay, cool, right? I'm, I'm the dad. Because when you're running a company, it's all in, right? You're all in. It's yeah. your whole thing, and so, and that's fine. Like I love it, and other people do too. But you have to have other things in your life to unwind and stuff like that.
0: Our second sponsor today is Volcanic, the number one website provider to the recruitment industry around the world. Um, following their recent success of, of a client called Camino Partners, who won the Best New Website Award at the, the Noras, they've provided some amazing insights on how they've used their website to both elevate their brand, celebrate consultants, and position themselves as an experts in the sector. Now, you can read all about this on Volcanic's website, um, volcanic.com. Um but they're also offering a free MOT to any RAG listeners that are sat there thinking, do I even know if my website is any good? All right, if you want someone, experts to look at your website and give you the, the ins and outs of what you need to do to make it better in 2022, then go to www.volcanic.com forward slash hoxo. How many hours a day do you put into the office and in, well, into recruitment? Because it doesn't have to be the office anymore, does it?
1: Oh, mate, my, my, my whole company has completely transformed, um, from COVID. Like,
0: But just how many hours a day do you put, because you got, you got a lot going on you, you know, you got a partner, you got kids as well, right? Three, three kids, you're a husband, you're a father, you're a business owner, you're trying to be fit. How many hours a day would you put into the, the business bit, the recruit, the, the search, the team that oh, man, like I'm,
1: I'm. I mean, it's my life, like I do, I do work in the US, we do work in Europe, you know, it's emails, it's messages. I mean, I'm not like, I don't, um, I don't like switch off or, no. you know, so I'm up at, I go up at six. I do, I take my kids to school, which yeah. is really nice. My, many more dads at the school gate now. Um, I either get into the office or back to my home office here at like 8.45. And then, you know, let's go. And then the U.S. obviously comes online later. So I'm finding I'm doing a lot of stuff after. So I flex it. But that's cool as long as I'm doing my exercise and stuff like that during the day. So, for example, it might be, you know, like i got calls in the morning, calls at night. Let's do like a 12 p.m. CrossFit or yeah. let me go out and have a walk or something. You know, or if I've been at home, I need to do a fake commute so I can get my steps in or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know
0: that feeling. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I, I've i been really good this year. I try and give myself lunch times. Like not today when I'm doing a podcast, but I try and go out between 12 and 2 and I go and do an hour in the gym and then I come home and I eat and I decompress and then 2 o'clock I crack back on. But I start at 8 every day work um, and I'm up at about 6 as well. Um, it's, a, it's a full-on day. It's a full-on day, um, but so many people just—I I, I think they just—they forget that there's other parts to their to their life than the work than the job. But it's—but yeah. is how do you are you present with your kids when you take them to school or are you thinking about the search later on?
1: No, I, I I try and be present. The biggest the biggest killer is this.
0: Yeah, because they can get you anywhere, right? It's like you're drunk.
1: Like as in as in, if I'm with my kids and i'm on the phone i might as well be drinking you know like yeah. it's it really sucks your attention so yeah. i try and be mindful of that like the school the school thing's great like we get on the bus we get on the train i take them to school we have a chat i get them dressed in the morning uh, if i'm working at home i can put them to bed so it's nice and then on the weekend you know i'm with them and we're doing some fun stuff so it's a bit of balance. like they know you know they know i'm running a company. They're I mean, seven year old is starting to understand and asking questions like, how does that work? Mm-hmm. What's business and how do you make money? And, you know, what do you mean you find people, jobs? Like, how does that work? So it's quite grounding, you know, because you want to be, you, you want your energy levels to be, to be high, you know, you need to be in a good mood. And
0: it's so difficult to keep everything moving now. It's so hard. But I do, I do, you know, I think it's great what you're doing. In terms of the pre pandemic, Bentley Lewis tell us about that what did it look like pre-pandemic
1: so we had everyone in London and one person in New York like we just set up mm. um, our US company um, based out of New York and uh, I was on a taxi on the way back to JFK airport end of Feb and I heard Covid for the word Covid for the first time and on the radio I'm like what's yeah. this Covid landed mm. and I was like dragged last man out of the office I'm like okay this is never going to last past May never yeah. and then obviously it did and and then it was it was tough like um so Kelly who runs um our north american office is awesome brilliant lady um she got covid early on she's got four kids it was a real tough moment to set up a company in the US and about August all our clients called us by the way at covid and was like don't don't rush on those searches by the way mm. <laughs> and you're like uh okay right and then and then you go through an amazing experience in hindsight it's okay how much money do we have how, yeah, how much, we
0: many have were money were you were you like did they pause on basically how much what are we talking about
1: i can't remember we had we had retainers remember like they retain us now so we're at the point where it's almost all uh, all of its exact search right so do you get a little retainer varies maybe a third or bit whatever it might be and then um and then the rest on completion right so you're waiting for this stuff so we had quite a few things on on the go and then it was paused and then money runs out really quick you know rent in London salaries and you're like you know oh shit and so you 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 take a moment because it's so easy when it's going well right but mm. when you're facing how many people app- did
0: you have how many people did you have at that point?
1: Uh, there was like eight. I think eight of us or so,
0: eight, nine of us. Still an so office not, in not crazy. St. Lloyds, Still Lloyd's Avenue. Uh,
1: Throgmorton Street by the Bank yeah, of England. By the bank, yeah. Yeah. And so I managed to get half price rent and like we did, you know, we did some cool stuff. And then August well actually sorry, June June, July, all those searches started again. So we were like, okay, great. We can start seeing the money come in. And then from August twenty twenty Probably even, I mean, even now, like it's been the busiest time ever. Touch wood. A lot of, I mean, you talk about great resignation and lots of people hiring and a lot of companies cut too deep. Now they're trying to rehire. A lot of people now have moved from like reacting to being proactive and things are happening. So so then it suddenly switched super quick. And so the U.S. has been great. We have three people there now. We're about to open an office in Toronto in Canada, and Canada. Um, and then we have people in Berlin, Lithuania. London, wow. um, so it's really gone from everyone in the office to almost everyone's remote, and but a much better culture, everyone's closer, you know, we do some really cool stuff. I mean, it's really, it's probably one of the nicest moments I've had uh, running the company, in terms of like the culture and the people. And
0: What made you shift it then? So three months or so till when the world really was in the pandemic, say April to June, did you, was that what, when, you know, the weather was lovely, we're all in London, I remember it really well. We couldn't do a lot, you know, no idea when we're gonna actually get out of this mess. It feels like a lot of people made decisions in those three months and thought about how they wanted to live their life and how the business would be shaped. I know I did, you know, I left London yeah. and Poxo went, we, we handed notice in our office and we went We went fully remote and we still are. we just got we work licenses for people that want to want them. Um, yeah. You know, so it's, we've got a very similar journey Sometimes I wonder: Did I make a knee-jerk reaction in that three months that perhaps I should have waited a bit longer before? Because um, you know, three months in, a, in, in your life is, is not much of a much of a time frame. What was it like for you in that period?
1: I think a lot of people made very quick decisions. You had this whole council culture thing, mm. you know, like there was you had like the George Ford stuff, and and, and was just that whole moment in time. Yeah. People it felt were making very quick decisions about things. And, and COVID was one of them, uh, countless, countless companies that treated their staff really badly over COVID. And this yeah. great resignation, by the way, is only a great resignation from bad companies with bad cultures that don't treat yeah, do their yeah. people properly. Yeah. The great companies aren't having that problem. No. Um, and so a, a lot, lot of people made bad decisions thinking yeah. about their business and their shareholders and not their people. Um, so i just tried to think about you know i wanted to keep everyone i want to think about the people how can we keep everyone what can we do to make people happy it took me a while to appreciate that everyone was going through a different experience you know different personal scenario different home life people affected differently and so yeah i started calling well i called everyone every day you know my team checking how they're doing five minutes i thought it was annoying for everyone they're probably were watching but I thought, <laughs> I thought it was annoying for everyone like oh no lewis is calling me again but then they were like, after oh, a while, it's like, I really like you calling and stuff. So that was really nice. And then we do a 2 p.m. call every day, which we still do, half yeah. an hour, unstructured, positive stuff like that. So we really started to implement some really nice stuff. And yeah, it just transitioned. And I wouldn't go back now. You know, clients don't mind where we are.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, We've been doing international work for a long time anyway. So. You know, now we have in, in the US. It's like Miami, New York, Philadelphia, Dallas. They work from home. They have a WeWork membership. If they need it, you know, the app they can go. Um, when COVID clears, or oh, it won't clear, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, we'll do regular meetups in Europe too. We'll meet up every quarter or whatever.
0: Are you what so, are you doing? Because uh, when we spoke last time, you, you had, didn't you turn a flat into an office in in London?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, so the office in Throgmorton Street was really expensive. Mm. Like real estate in London is expensive. And and I thought, does anyone really care that we've got an office by the Bank of England?
0: No.
1: And pre pre COVID it kind of meant something. It helped me attract better people, I think. Um I don't
0: think it I honestly don't think it does. Maybe not. No, I don't think maybe
1: it does. not, you know, but that was that was the that was the like the perception. ego kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, the perception stuff. And then the clients, where's your office? Drogmorton Street. Always felt like it helped but i asked my team in in london like do you want an office And, and everyone wanted a spot you know a spot to come in and interact with each other no one wanted to be like completely fully remote i don't think and so i got got out the contract and um and we rented an apartment in central london and it's a spot for the team to come in if they want they can sleep there they can work there it's a space for them and it's like an
0: apartment it is literally an apartment slash office
1: yeah it's an apartment it's an apartment yeah I mean I we, we made some A friend of mine's an interior designer she helped create some really cool workspaces um the vibe's really nice it's about like you know it's about your work you know, the, what experience you have when you work I think you know whether it's you coming into a, a space like that whether it's your you'll be able to do these kind of calls with people speak to your team how do you communicate i just start to think about the whole experience that people have when they're working at bentley lewis and, and i start to think about that a lot more from covid
0: how many people can fit in that apartment
1: what old school recruitment style i you mean we could, probably, we could probably we could probably spit back to back like 25 30 what people about now though?
0: What, what would you have on a good? Uh, would you have oh, a day where there's a few people in two three yeah
1: max and i'm not and i'm not and, and no one has to come in you know like gen- genuinely you can you can do whatever you want you know the, the you kind of moved from you know you move from time in the office you know like where's john he's late it's 8 30 he's supposed to be in you know or you get a text message saying oh i'm really sorry it's snowing i can't make it in you're like you live the closest in the office you know you get yeah. all those things you know pre-covid right and now it's like it's just about output i don't mind how long or not people work it's yeah. just you know let's have fun let's do a
0: good job and so it's a, it's a big mindset shift. Makes sense. Makes sense. So now, how do you juggle it yourself? How often are you in there or at home? It took me a long time to get used to it because my
1: whole working career was in the office at 30 hmm. Don't leave until 6 and then yeah. stuff around it. And and I've always stuck to that, even when I was on my own, because I, I really like hey, yeah, routine hey. and discipline.
0: Exactly. When,
1: when, when that gets thrown on its head you're like, uh, okay. And, and so I started to, so I, st- I still stick to that broadly, but it took me a while to get used to working at home because I like getting out and I like moving and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like I needed to be in the office. Otherwise I wasn't really working. Like working at home wasn't quite the same. It just took, took a while to adjust. And now I'm flexible. You know, I look at my diary on a Sunday. Sometimes I have meetings face-to-face, sometimes I don't, sometimes I want to go in, I drop the kids off, I hide and in, head into the office, mm-hmm. so so now it's all if someone's coming in, we decide to go in on the same day, so I keep it a bit more fluid, um, I'm a bit, I still work just as hard, I'm a bit, yeah, I mean it's just, it just took a while for me to adjust to it, I think, if I'm honest.
0: It just, it just sounds like you've, you've got a really positive outlook on, based on what's happened right you I don't know you just you, I just get like a positive vibe from you that you know what you've you've took the the, the situation that was difficult and you found positivity in it and you see you look happy you genuinely look happy whether you make you might be making it up for the show but you look happy
1: <laughs> probably you, well, you let, man, like, you've got to right you have I mean you just if you're so not
0: how is you business structured now then so talk, talk us through like Sure. One of the things that I think people are interested in is exec search when they're doing contingent recruitment. Like how how is it structured? What I know you've got a marketing manager, you are running a podcast, you do. Tell us about your model as much as you can.
1: So, and I thought I put my phone on silent by the way, so my apologies. Oh, okay. um, so we have a chief marketing officer called Amira, mm-hmm. who's awesome, yeah. and she's uh, been here almost three years. And 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 like you guys are doing, and I think what you're doing is awesome. The content marketing thing we like. Quadrupled down on, mm. and she's great. So we do a lot of content marketing and all of this kind of stuff. I've got Kelly um, who runs our North American platform. Um, then we have um, I have someone in Lithuania who's central and Eastern Europe a guy called Giovanni. He's great. A lot of tech and digital. Um, we have a really nice research team. Maria works on all of our stuff. So we've got a mix of delivery people. And we have a mixture, and then we have like what you'd call classic business development, but I don't really like to call it that. But consultants, mm. let's say. Um, and every search is a team game. Like every search, there's two or three of us working on it. It's mm. really about the experience, um, and that isn't woolly or fluffy, or it's it's genuinely like every single bit of the process needs to feel good for everyone involved. You know, five star service. the
0: thing that can go wrong in search? Like when? Tell us about the things that people people it sounds great like it just sounds great it sounds like you know you retainers big clients great contracts great relationships but what are the problems that happen give us some examples of that
1: it's all about communication if you're not aligned like in any piece of recruitment if you're not aligned with the client and you haven't had a proper briefing or there's other stakeholders that are having an influence um then you always run into problems always so mm. the big the biggest bit like in any 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 search, whether it's contingent or not, is the briefing, you know, like you've really got to do a thorough briefing and you've got to make sure that, you know, everyone who's involved in the decision making process is, is is in it, agreed. And once you're once you're clear on that, then you know you can then start doing a proper job. And you know, clearly, you know, candidates, pull out, you know, all of the stuff that comes into into our industry. But that upfront bit is is really, really important. Um right. and it also it takes longer, you know, like when contingent recruitment, it's all about getting your person the job. Otherwise, you don't get paid. Right. It's it's sales orientated. And you can be, you know, consultative and whatever, but ultimately you don't get paid until your person gets the yeah. job. That's mm-hmm. it. So so you have to you have to sell your candidate in, however, you might do that. Whereas with with search there's no sales involved really it's it's consultative right you want the best person to get the job you're in this win-win-win outcome you know it wants needs to work for everyone and so the wonderful thing about it is once you've started a search your focus is is just on making sure it works for everyone which is a really nice kind of thing to do which is what i enjoy about it
0: i love that so you it just sounds like you're yeah, you're just trying to wrap a, wrap the process in it with as much care and attention as possible, without the desire, let like you say, to hit a number tomorrow. But what is a time frame on an average search for your business? What how long does it take to
1: scroll through LinkedIn and you can see people moaning about how long searches take? I mean, it ranges from and I posted this on LinkedIn a few months ago, a friend of mine, CMO, chief marketing officer, she got offered a job in two weeks, started. She called the firm, another firm that she was in the process for, which was eight interviews, two and a half months in counting, and they were surprised when she pulled out. It takes time, you know. Like I'm, I'm doing a, I'm doing a CFO search for a listed company at the moment, and you know, they, they, it's not a, for them. It's they want to find the right person, and that might take quite a while. It could be six months, could be ten months. It, so it, it varies. I think right now. Um, Clients, companies need to move quickly. And so I found that the recruitment processes have shortened over COVID. Uh, people don't want to hang around. They're investing a lot of time in, in these interview processes. Oh, that's
0: that's, interesting. that's yeah. interesting. Do you find that because everything's remote now, people are more open to a conversation, but they're not they're not necessarily as, as committed to, to move it?
1: Everyone wants to chat. Hmm. Everyone. Um, and what I find right now is that if the opportunity, if the opportunity is is better, whatever better means for that person, than where they are now, then everyone's open to a conversation, hmm. for sure. You know, and pretty much everyone we speak to is employed and probably quite happy and doing really well and and stuff. So, yeah, everyone wants to chat to you. You know, if you if you if you approach them in the right way and, and things like that, um, a lot of people have reevaluated their lives. Yeah, over COVID.
0: Well. What's the vision then? What's the future? For, I know you, you've talked about building a the best exec search firm, but what, what, tell us about what you, what it looks like. Have you got any milestones you're trying to hit, or any any future that you want to you want to achieve?
1: So, so we've got Canada in 2022, which would be really cool, which would be really nice. Um, I just want to be the best I can be. You know, like improve it, improve every day. There genuinely isn't a I want to sell by 2024. I want to get to 50 people and. Roll it. I just, I I don't know. I mean, I I know a lot of people and probably every single other person comes in your show and says, I want to sell. And I want to, I just want to make money, be happy, enjoy, enjoy it. I want everyone else to be happy and make money too. And if it happens that someone wants to buy us, I'm not ready to get off the, uh, off the merry-go-round. No. You know, like it's, it's great. It's great fun. And a, a lot of people, Aren't happy in their jobs, and so if you are, it's a real privilege, and you should be grateful for it. Um, and that's what life's about,
0: really. One hundred percent. In terms of the um, the the kind of vision of a lot of people call it a lifestyle business, right? Um, and it's got quite a negative perception in our sector that, like, you know, if you're not trying to grow to a hundred people, you you you're not really ambitious. Yeah. Like, what, what do you say to that? To that perception?
1: Well, if you want to play a board game, I'm the most competitive guy you'll ever
0: meet.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, a lot of people say, you know, like this lifestyle business thing, people, people write, uh, people use lifestyle businesses. Yeah, they look down on it, you know, like no one posts on Instagram about a lifestyle business. No, Right. Like I think it's also with all of this tech stuff, you know, like tech firms don't make money right until they sell. They're raising money every 18 months it's a really tiring journey they're losing money until they sell so a lot of the stuff you see about building a business and exiting a lot of it's from that that tech space and they have to because
0: they haven't got have they
1: don't have then profit then, yeah then there's no profit right yeah like you you know but it's like, like you can be you can be on your own building a really nice recruiting business and make really really lovely living and that's cool there's nothing wrong with that it doesn't mean you're not ambitious it's just a different life right i think the point for me is find what makes you happy like what is it like you might be uh, th- there's no right or wrong answer right like it might be you want to build your business because that's what you've always done wanted to do and you want to sell it and mm. great and that's cool you know if that makes you happy then then go for it uh, or if you want to be just on your own generating revenue working three days a week high five you know yeah. nothing wrong with that either so I think more people need to think about like what what's their thing you know what makes you happy and then if you're happy you can do the best work you've ever done
0: yeah you know, and when you find not, that place and you're not desperate to get off the train in two years or three years or whatever
1: yeah and also remember what I do um you've got to be in the game a long time if you're in the game a long time you get a seat at the table you keep you know it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not a quick overnight, thing overnight, you can't though. like you know we're doing like board level searches now we would never have never have I've done that 12 years ago. Like it does take time. You've got to do all the stuff I talked about, you know, kind, happy, great service. You've got to be inv- willing to invest all the time to do that. And and it's great. Um, and you can, you know, you can make money along the way doing what we do.
0: I love it. In terms of today, right? We're, we're, we're closing out for the Christmas period now. I feel like everyone's starting to feel it. They need that break. And I don't know. I feel like there's an announcement today by... The Prime Minister, they're saying there's an announcement about Christmas coming out today. Omnicom variant. I was in Dubai last week, and I went to Dubai in end of January 2020. All right. It's weird. And i and when I got back in early February, I did a podcast with Ben Alexander, who is a the owner of a company called Tech Intellect. And me and right. him, he was my final podcast before COVID hit. Right? So it's early Feb. So early, early March. Sorry. So Ben and Dubai, kind of linked to COVID, right? Anyway, last week I'm in Dubai, walk into a hotel and who's in the lobby? Ben in Dubai. And <laughs> and then the Omniconvert is going crazy. And I'm like, is this like deja vu? Um what do you think? What what we what we likely to expect over the next month or two? What what's happening in your opinion?
1: Saddest thing was my grandma lives in Cape Town in an old age home. She's 99 in a week and my mom's flight got cancelled last Sunday.
0: That's so sad.
1: She's only let out of her room for food and to mm-hmm. take a walk in the garden it sounds like prison so so on a personal note like i want to go see my grandma yeah you know like she's been it's been a couple of years now she's 100 next year so wow. so you know on a, on a personal level it's you know it's tough for people that can't see their families and stuff like that and and i said to you all well, fair a month ago we'd have been like you know all good no worries no, COVID's life, great life,
0: life's back to normal now
1: Life's back to normal. And then we've got this Omnicom thing. And I still think, to be honest, I mean, you're speaking to a guy that's, you know, I'm really positive about things and I just crack on with life. That's it. But I do know, you know, there's a lot of people that are anxious, that, you know, don't want to get ill. They're living with mm-hmm. people that are vulnerable, whatever, like, you know, I appreciate that people are in a different scenario. But I think, you know, you've just got to crack on with life now, you know, be safe, keep others safe, but just get on with it.
0: Do you see? Will do you think we'll go back into lockdown? Do you see that happening?
1: Well, we're already well in other in European countries. They've already started to get stricter. Hmm. Um, here in the UK, we've got to wear masks on the train now. Others will get fined. Yeah, yeah. So we're starting to get stricter. I, of course, I think the government would rather not lock down. You know, like I'm here talking about how busy recruitment's been, but. I'm grateful for that because there's many, many industries that have really struggled, yeah, you know, yeah. if you're in hospitality and stuff, it's, a lot of people have a really, really hard time and I don't want to see other businesses like that struggle. So I want to keep things open and I want to crack on whether there's public pressure on the government to lock down, maybe, I don't yeah. know. Although Boris Johnson cracked on with his Christmas party. I saw in the, uh, in the news today,
0: uh, incredible news, isn't it? Incredible news.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> So I, I, I don't know, Sean, uh, will we be locked down? I hope not. But if I've learned anything, it's anything can happen. So.
0: Wow. Um, well, look, Lewis, thank you so much for giving us your time. Thanks for, you know, you're a busy bloke. I really appreciate it. Um, if anyone's listened today and would like to pick your brains on anything you've talked about, your model, you know, exec search, the way you've got the flat into an office is pretty cool. Are you open to a chat with them if they reach out to you on LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, just DM me. Super happy to chat with anyone for sure. So feel free
0: to appreciate it. Um, guys, thank you for listening. As I said, LinkedIn Lewis has been tagged in everything so far. So drop him a DM. I'll be back next week for the final episode of 2021. Um, you stay safe and I will see you soon. Thank you as always for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week, is to ensure that my audience, future, and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode is brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level, individual recruiters in your businesses, how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves, that's how to produce content, that's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn and would love to talk to you. Tune in again next week. That's live on LinkedIn at 12 p.m. on Thursday, or you can catch the show on the following Monday from 6 a.m. on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'll see you soon.